And Tommy, for the people who are listening, um, could you maybe give a brief introduction um, who you are and uh, what drives you? Yeah, brother. Um, thank you. And hello, the Financial Independence Podcast and the great uh, guest and Vladimir and Bill. Super excited to be here. Hey, I'm Tommy Breedlove. I'm the Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestselling author of the book Legendary. Super grateful for the book and all of its commercial success. If I had to answer who I am, um, I just answered that recently. I would say I'm a healer, I'm a seeker, I'm a speaker, and um, I just want to be better each and every day than I was yesterday. A little bit about me as I spent uh, over 20 years in large financial consulting, public accounting, and mergers and acquisitions firms. Went through a major life transformation at 36 and 37. Um, three years later, decided to walk away from my, I was a, uh, a board of director. I was also a senior partner and an owner of a large financial firm here in the Southeast United States and decided to chase my dream and to follow my purpose, my passion, and hopefully live more with significance. And that's where the book Legendary came from. And, and since then, I'm a premier mindset, relationship, business, and financial coach, mostly for executive men, but also do a ton of public speaking. I run masterminds and um, I run retreats as well. So that's a little about me from Atlanta, Georgia. I have two beautiful dogs, a beautiful wife, and um, just I'd have to find something to complain about in life, brother. So I'm just super grateful and super happy to be here. And Let's throw down and, and serve you guys, serve myself, and let's, let's, get, let's get it on, man. Perfect. Sounds great. Um, so one thing I've noticed that um, when you graduated from the University of Georgia, right, you graduated um, in business administration and accounting. So what, since we are both, me and Bill, in, in, basically we're in finance, we did a master of finance, we did a lot of accounting as well. What led you to, um, as a young man, what led you to pursue accounting and pursue finance? Okay, do you want me to give you the real story or the um, popular story? The real story. We, the only, real we story. only serve, right. we're only serve right, so the real stories you. around here. <laughs> so, so I grew up from uh, humble beginnings and um, made a very big mistake when I was 18 years old and thought I was looking at seven years in prison, believe it or not. And I'm not kidding. And thankfully it was my first offense. And I grew up with a lot of violence and bullying and became that violence and bullying. And instead of going, I had a full ride to the University of Georgia, half a ride to the University of Miami down in Florida and a bunch of other schools for music, actually, believe it or not. And because I was um, in and around abuse and violence, I became what I hated and became violence and abuse. And so at 18 years old, I committed a violent crime. I was looking at seven years in prison. I was dropped to two and luckily misdemeanors which are lesser crimes. Otherwise I would have never got into college. Ended up spending my 19th birthday incarcerated. And so I went from, uh, from literally a jail cell to a factory working for $6 an hour, operating a machine in a nuclear, uh, nuclear waste container factory. I'm not even kidding. Putting myself through community school at night. I knew I always wanted to do business, but I didn't know what business. And so I eventually earned my way back into the University of Georgia um, with very good grades because I was just working very hard to not go back to the neighborhood, not go back to that factory, and definitely not go back to a cage. And so when I got to the University of Georgia, I always wanted to be a marketing major. But the truth is, is nobody in the marketing field in 1995 and 1996 were getting jobs anywhere. And then I switched to real estate, and then I switched to risk management, and finally, I ended up, um, finance I enjoyed. I actually enjoyed finance, but I, I didn't love it. But when I got into the principles of accounting class, it just clicked. I felt like it was the language of business. And I feel like everything is built on that foundation of accounting, accounting principles, cash flow, profitability, 
operation efficiency, et cetera. So it just really related to me. And by the way, everyone with an accounting degree was getting jobs. And so Yi, who was financing his college and came from very humble beginnings, I had to go to work. <laughs> so <laughs> the true reason I picked accounting um, is because I knew I would get a job and I had such good grades. I was getting recruited by Deloitte, Pricewaterhouse at the time, Arthur Anderson, which is no longer because of Enron, um, Coopers and Librant and all those big firms. And so I was super lucky to go from literally a jail cell to Deloitte in three years and a whole lot of hard work. And, um, and it was probably the best decision from a degree um, that I've ever made because it has allowed me to do and build and become everything that I've done. And so anyone who would get a, a finance and or accounting degree and hopefully both, it will, if you can add sales to that somewhere down in your career, it will serve you more than any other thing you can have in life, especially the combination of those three. So I'll, I'll stop talking there. So that's the true story of how I ended up in accounting. <laughs> so I, I, can I jump in just with one kind of follow-up question? You mentioned that kind of in the early uh, part of your life, you were surrounded by violence and so on. Then you uh, committed this, uh, um, I don't know if was it was a crime or something that you did when you were young as well. And then kind of following up from that, you start working hard, you start dedicating yourself. So I just want, I was wondering what was the, the, when did it click? When, when did you realize, okay, I can't go anymore in this direction. I have to change. Well, when I got in trouble, that was one of the first indicators. And then, you know, being a, a young 18 year old white kid in uh, a South Atlanta institution, institution incarcerated is, you know, where I thought I was a wolf, I really found out very quickly I was a sheep. And something beautiful and magical happened to me in uh, the system is a 45 year old African American gentleman who had been in and out of prison and jail his whole life, stepped over racial boundaries, which is almost unheard of in those institutions, because it's very clicked by racial lines. But he saw something in, in me wanted to mentor me wanted to help keep me safe, but also hold me accountable so that I didn't become a revolving door in and out of the system like he was. And so it was the first true male mentorship that appeared in my life. And when he appeared in my life and he literally showed me the way and showed me the right way, he was the catalyst for me getting out, getting a full-time job, putting myself in community college at night, and ultimately leading me to the University of Georgia, which ultimately led me to public accounting and financial consulting for the next 20 years. So it was literally because of great male mentorship, which I did not have the first 19 years of my life. Would you say that this was your main driver, being coached by somebody? Or would you say your main driver was the fear of having to return to the neighborhood you, you didn't appreciate at all? I would say a combination of both. Um, I think he gave me some self-love, self-respect and confidence that maybe I didn't have before. Um, I think what men are missing is other men speaking into their lives, mentoring them and helping them to be better emotionally, mentally, physically, financially, et cetera. And I think he filled a lot of the roles that my father and other men in my life couldn't. So I think I would definitely give him a lot of credit, but fear is a great driver as well. I mean, I didn't want to work in that factory because I worked there for a year and a half. I mean, I worked my ass off and made no money and it was a nowhere job and they could take it away from me in a heartbeat. So there was the fear of that. I was never going to go back in that neighborhood ever again. So it didn't really matter on that front. Um, and I really wanted to escape the cycle of what my family was. I wanted to be better than that. So that was a driver as well. And believe it or not, my mom and dad always support, they always wanted me to go to college. They always wanted me to be better. So that's a really good thing. And it was just up for me to pull up my bootstraps, to dust myself off and not let one mistake define me for the rest of my life and double down and work hard and, and go forward. Yeah, I guess the most important part in our lives is how do you not only make mistakes, but what do you, how do you learn from your mistakes? And this is, instead of your mistake defining you, 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 you let what you learn from your mistake define your life, which is at least how I see it. And it's, it's, it's great. Totally, man. I think so many of us, no matter what mistake or failure or insecurity or fear we have, and by the way, we all have them all. We've all made mistakes. We all have fears. We all have worries. We all have insecurities. 
But what we always have to realize is if we, you know, intention without action and action without intention is nonsense. And then if you will pick yourself up, dust yourself off, no matter what story has been told to date, you can always rewrite your story or write the ending to your story based on your actions, your integrity, and your intentions going forward. And I think that's super important for people to hear because it's easy to give up. It's easy not to take action. And it's easy when failure or mistake or tragedy hits you to just quit or to shrink up or not go forward. And the key is to keep going forward so that you can be the master of your destiny. And that's what I choose to do, chose to do. Yeah. And during your, uh, okay, Vlad, let, let me first ask something, then, then mm -hmm. you can continue. Um, when you're, professional career started in accounting and you were climbing up the ladder. One could say you were almost, were almost perfectly climbing up all the way through up, up until CEO and then owner of something big. Um, what, did you gradually incrementally become sick or tired of this whole system? And then there was suddenly this click or was it, was it really, you were ecstatic, you loved it. And then just out of a sudden it collapsed. And then you thought, okay, I don't like this anymore out of a sudden and would like to stop. I would say for 10 years, I love the learning. I love the game. I love the selling. Um, the good thing, what I found in uh, public accounting, financial consulting and mergers and acquisitions and you, is you never stop learning and you're surrounded by really smart people. And that to me was just as important as yes, we made a lot of money doing that as well. Um, at the 10 year mark, I started getting bored and that's just a, that's kind of me. Um, cause I get bored of things real quickly and I pick things up really fast. But here's the thing is I also had the ability to make complicated issues simple for my clients as well as sell our services. If you truly want to make partner and owner and you want to make the big money, I don't care what career you're in, especially accounting and finance, you've got to be able to sell. You've got to be able to communicate to people and you've got to be able to build relationships. And so for the next seven or eight years, that's what I made my focus, not the technical stuff anymore, but more relationship sales, making complicated things easy and building the practice. And that's how I was able to make partner at a pretty young age. Um, and for me, here's the thing about the particular people that I was around, whether it was bankers, lawyers, my network, other partners within the firm, <clears throat> is I felt like we were valuing the wrong things. And so it didn't matter how much money or power or prestige or the fancy suits or the cufflinks. And remember, I came from nothing. So I thought this was what the American dream or the Western society dream was all about, getting to the top of the ladder um, driving nice cars, having the pretty girl next to my side and power and influence. And I had them all. But what I realized is it didn't fulfill me. I was unhappy. I still felt alone. And when the power, money and prestige didn't fill me up, that's when I turned to darkness. Because the truth is, gentlemen, I never dealt with any of those insecurities, fears and worries from my childhood. I just thought working harder than everybody else and being smarter than everybody else would make me happy and fulfilled when I got the shiny things and toys and how for me, you know, it certainly helped. And I'm one of those people that says money's important. Anybody who says money's important, not important, run from them because they're broke. But however, at the end of the day, it won't make you happy, fulfilled, um, peace of mind. And it won't, no matter, there was always more and when more and when, and I was never going to get to either one of those. And at 35 and 36 years old, when I was a junior partner, and here's where, legendary and all my modern day stuff comes in is when the money success prestige didn't fill me up. I turned to everything else. And I don't know if you, you two gentlemen have seen the movie, the Wolf of wall street. That's the lifestyle I started living for a few years, literally. Cause I thought it would fill my void, you know, money, power, women, all this, you know, all the dark stuff in the world. And that didn't do it either. And let me tell you, it almost cost me everything. It almost cost me my marriage. It almost cost me my firm and career and also almost cost me my life. And at that moment, I said, enough is enough. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build in my emotional fortress, my mental fortress, my spiritual fortress, and my physical fortress, and really double down and invest in myself and make myself as strong as possible with integrity, 
with self-confidence, with self-respect and candidly with unconditional love for myself so that I could truly love my friends, my family, my wife, my clients and my firm. And when I did that guy, I'm not kidding. I'm gonna tell you what happened to my, I'll tell you though, cause this is a financial podcast. I'll tell you what happened to me financially. In three years, when I made myself my full-time job, I went to junior partner, to senior partner, to international practice leader, to owning the firm, to elected to the board of directors at 39 years old. The rest of those folks on that board, most of them were in their 60s. And the only reason I doubled my income, my network went 5X up, my relationship, my wife was the best it's ever been. I eliminated negative influences out of my life and I started having real friendships. All by doing the hard work of being a little bit better each and every day in my heart, my mind, my soul, my body, and just being an integrity driven man. And it manifested in so many unbelievable ways. It was, it, but here's the cool thing. <laughs> I never planned on selling my equity or resigning my board seat. I literally, if you had told me eight years ago, I was going to coach executives and be a public speaker and write a best-selling book, I would have, I would have laughed you out of the room. <clears throat> but here's the cool thing. When I went through this massive transformation, so many other powerful men who were living lives, like literally a life of lies, started reaching out to me and saying, hey, I want to be a better man. I want to be more peaceful. I want to be more fulfilled. I want to be a better father. But I want to do that without compromising my ambition or drive or my financial success. You've done it. How do I do it? And that's literally how this career, this book, this, these speaking opportunities and everything came about. And that's when I knew I had a true calling to go do that in life. And it took a lot of courage and fortitude to walk away at the top of the game, but I did it. Never been happier, never been more financially successful, and never been for, more fulfilled in what I do in my personal life and professional life. And so that's how the transition actually happened. I know that was a lot to take in, gentlemen. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's great. That's great. That's great insight. And it was a pleasure to listen to it. Uh, I have, well, just to go back to you said, to basically the, the part where you kind of went into darkness. Um, so my question was actually first, do, is it the kind of the background of the story that, yes, you were becoming successful, but you were using your ambition to replace things that you were missing in your life? And then you didn't have a balance. And then at a certain point, when that tipped over, when you realized, okay, whatever I can own will never replace what I'm trying to replace. This is where you turned into, uh, turned to the dark side, Darth Vader and, you know, <laughs> the Star Wars yeah. reference. Um, but, uh, and, it, uh, uh, and on the other side, wh where did you live at the time? What was kind of the, the, the surroundings of yourself and, and the kind of just, a little bit. Well, details. I technically lived in Atlanta, Georgia, but I was traveling all over the world. Mm -hmm. And there's not all of it, but there's a certain segment of mergers and acquisition, banking, legal, finance, um, venture capital that, you know, power, money, booze, women, it's cheered on, man. It's like, hey, you know, you're a man's man, that a boy, go do more of that. And by the way, go make as much money as possible and you'll be powerful and happy. Well, actually you'll be powerfully alone and your whole life is void because it's not real. And so what I was surrounded by with was other men and women who thought, believed and acted the same way. And I always say darkness likes darkness, pain likes pain, and light likes light. And uh, because I was dark, I felt alone. I wasn't ever acting in my value systems or integrity because I thought the next thing or the next power thing or this over here would make me happy and fulfilled, and it never did. And it was just a continuous cycle that ended up getting darker and darker and darker just to fill a void um, that I couldn't fill myself. And so when I said enough is enough, and when I just started to change my life, all of those people start, I started repelling those people as I started attracting them, right? And I started attracting, you know, integrity driven people, but still powerful people who believed and thought the way I was changing into, changing into the man that I was always in there when I made the hard choices to double down and invest in myself. And so I believe, and I, I know it's a cliche, but it is so true. We are the five people we surround ourselves with. So if you surround yourself with people who want to make a lot of money, but do it with integrity and values and love and light and be, you know, live with significance and impact, that's what you're going to do. 
But if you surround yourself with people who they want to compete and conquer, no matter what the cost, you know, they want to feel powerful in all the wrong ways that sometimes men and women want to feel powerful in, it'll never, it, it just leads to disaster. And so that's what I had chosen to surround myself on both sides of those, of that coin. I hope that all makes sense. Cause it's a little bit woo woo, <laughs> but it's so true, man. <laughs> uh, Bill, do you have a follow up yeah. or? Yeah, no, I, my, my original question before you answered that, I would have asked maybe what are the, the most common thoughts or the most common uh, wrong perceptions of people that they start walking down a path that leads them to such demise, that leads to such a void or to such a, an unhappy life. It, 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 what would you say, uh, what is a no-brainer for you to fix or to recognize immediately that went wrong with this person? Yeah, the red flags, right? Yeah, the, well, there's a lot of red flags, but it all starts, you know, it's a slippery slope. It all starts innocently. We start compromising our value, not really our values at first. We start compromising our friends and family and our time. Because when we think we make X, we will be happy. Well, that X keeps moving. The more money you make, that X keeps moving. Because we're always comparing ourselves and being envious of somebody else. There's always a bigger boat. There's always a faster car. There's always a bigger house. There's always a, a fancier, or a prettier girl. There's always a stronger guy. There's always someone who makes more money. And we're always comparing ourselves with that. So we do everything in our power to have more, 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 more. And when, when, when I get there, right? More and when actually never happen. And so we work harder and we work harder and we compromise our friendships. We compromise times with the people we love. We'll compromise going to uh, a son or daughter's game or ballet or whatever it might be in the name of more, because when I have this, I will be happy and I can, I can invest in the, the people. That's the exact backwards way of doing it. And so you start innocently compromising this and then you, you're ne you never fill that void. And then you start distancing yourself from your family, friends, and the people that are important. And you're, you're surrounded by other people who were driven just for driven sake and they're not happy either. Well, then guess what happens when you're not happy? You turn to other things, booze, drugs, alcohol, high-end gambling, risky behaviors, extreme sports for extreme sports sake. Um, to fill that void because you want to feel powerful because the money didn't do it. You know, we're compromising our, our time. So now we're going to attract, we're going to bring people into our lives who have the same pain that we do. It's a slippery slope and it doesn't happen overnight, but gentlemen, because of the work I do in the mindset relationship business space, you know, I work with people, I work in the pain and purpose business, man. And to help, bring out the best in people in all facets of their life. I don't want to build a rich person with no integrity and I don't want to have a poor person with integrity, not be rich. So, you know, my whole thing is I help make powerful people good and good people powerful because I think I do believe, because I have it all now. I do believe everybody in life can have it all, but life is about balancing and rebalancing and we can't, can't compromise our happiness, our peace of mind, our family, our friends and our integrity for more and when I have this. And that, my friends, is the slippery slope. And it's, a, it's an epic, we talk about pandemics, by the way, that is a pandemic. And so I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, my practice wouldn't be as big as it is and I wouldn't have sold as many books if it wasn't. <laughs> we, 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 almost, we, almost did, we almost did half an hour without mentioning the pandemic and now. <laughs> That's a pandemic. <laughs> no, but I wanted to, I wanted to actually ask one thing because we had, kind of in the beginning of a conversation, we had your balancing act number one, let's, let's, let's say it, uh, when you were young, when you realized, okay, I can't go this way anymore. This is what I have to do. I have to study. And, I, and you kind of rebalanced your life in the act number one. In act number two, when you turn to the dark side, when you were in, in, in working uh, too, too many hours or whatnot, um, how did the, did you also have the moment where you realized uh, uh, that you have to change something. And again, yeah. and again, what were the initial thoughts? How did you realize I have to build this fortress? Uh, and, and I woke up in a life? ditch. I literally woke up in a ditch, half dressed, didn't know where my car was, didn't know where I was thinking I was probably doing some multi-million dollar audit or merger and acquisition deal a day before 
you know, on the outside, I looked like I had it all. I mean, literally all. And on the inside, I was dying. And for me, I was like, I'm going to lose my wife, my practice, and potentially my life if I keep going down this road. Or it's going to end up back again to where I was when I was 17, 18 years old. And I was like, no damn way. And I don't, I don't think everyone has to hit, you know, some people call that a spiritual transformation. Others call it rock bottom. I don't give a damn what you call it. But for me, it was a defining moment. Am I going to draw the line in the sand? And am I going to take action to go find out who I really am, where I truly want to go, what I stand for and what I'd fight for and not compromise that any further? And I did. And um, at the time, you know, because of how many hours I worked and how unhappy me and my wife were, we were doing all this <laughs> marriage counseling. And uh, which I laugh about now because every time we'd go to these counselors, they would uh, about the third time we're there, they would say, Heather, which is my wife, stay home. And Tommy, you need to come back, which at first I thought they were going to tell me that she was the problem. Then I realized, Hey, I'm the actual problem. Uh, but I remember one of those counselors telling me that there's a place in Tennessee, which is in the Southeast United States um, that can do more for me in seven days than he could do in 10 years. And I, I remember him saying that. So I went to this place in Tennessee which a helped me feel like I wasn't alone and that I wasn't a freak with my thoughts in my head and the not good enoughs and insecurities to let me know that being the real me was okay. And they gave me all these tools. They cut me open for three days emotionally and mentally, and then put me back together for four in a group one-on-one -on -one and small group settings. It was the most beautiful seven days of my life and probably the most influential to me for every day since that week. I have made me my full-time job. And I know that sounds selfish. Every day I get up, every day, I spend at least an hour, sometimes more, building my mental fortress, my emotional fortress, my physical fortress, and my spiritual fortress. And ever since I've done that, literally from money to success to happiness, to the relationship with my wife, friendships, and ultimately my network, every single one of those has gone exponentially up year by year, because it helps me live integrity. It helps me live with purpose. It helps me be the master of my time. And it helps me to live a life of significance and impact and purpose and help not only serve myself, but serve others. And that my friends is what changed my life. And um, just one question. So you mentioned kind of integrity and, and kind of other values. Um, could you maybe say what are the pillars of, 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 of this fortress you have and as well, what are the differences between the mental and the physical and all these different aspects of, of the well-being that you created? Well, I'll start with the first one and then ask me the, the first part of the question. I'll start with the second one you ask. Mm -hmm. So your physical fortress, you know, you got to protect your body. You know, if you are doing drugs and drinking and not resting and eating like shit, um, you know, you're not going to have a strong physical fortress. And that's your temple. And believe it or not, that's the one I struggle with the most because I love what I do so much. And I love to go out and eat at night. And I love to network and party. I still do. I love it. And uh, so that's the one I struggle with. And that's the one my mentors and my coaches and my accountability partners hold me to. And so I've doubled down on that lately. Um, but your mental fortress is every single one of us has that voice inside our heads that says we're not good enough. What if they figure out I don't know what I'm doing. And the way we talk to ourselves in our head, if we talk to anyone else like that, no one would hang out with us. And here's the thing. We all have it. And so we've got to own it. We got to be vulnerable about it. We got to cut the BS and we got to do something about it. So there is all these system and tools to help mitigate that noise in your head to help you not live constantly in the future or worrying about the past, you know, planning, 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 next thing, next thing, next thing that allows us to get present in the current moment, really understand that that voice inside our hell, A, is not real and B, how do we overcome that? So we have thoughts of love, confidence, respect. You're talking about your, your emotional fortress. That's about unconditional love, self-respect and self-confidence. And that's something our societies have not taught us because there's so much shame in the world. There's so much fear in the world. There's so much condescension in the world, judgment in the world, 
we're taught that we're not good enough, we're not worthy, we're not lovable, and we're not valuable. We're literally taught that, and it, it's death by a thousand cuts. And there are tools, systems, processes, coaches like me, mentors, who can help you develop, A, master that mindset, but B, develop that unconditional love, self-respect, self-confidence so that you can stand tall, head up, shoulders back, and you own any situation, no matter how difficult, how easy, how tough, and where you got to go. So that's your emotional fortress. And finally, if it's important to you, and it's important to me, and I'm not talking about religion, there's a spiritual fortress. There's something that connects you with all that is. You can call it energy. You can call it spirit. You can call it God. You can call it universal intelligence. I don't care what you call it. Um, I literally do not care, but as long as you believe there's something bigger than you and that you were put here for a reason. And by the way, if you do good, you will be a whole hell of a lot more successful than people who don't. I have this data to prove it. But if you believe you're connected to something bigger than you and that you do have a purpose and that we want to leave these people, these beautiful planet and our fellow human beings better than we found them, something higher than ourselves, spiritual. If you can work on all of those fortresses and you're always going to be balancing and rebalance. And by the way, the journey for self-confidence, unconditional love, master your mindset, spiritual significance in your physical body, it never ends. They're all muscles. And if you don't work out on those muscles, they all atrophy. And it's just like going to the gym. If you stop, it takes you longer to get back. Same thing goes with mental, emotional. And so that's what I'm talking about when I say investing in yourself because we as human beings are one big stew. But if you start taking ingredients out of the stew, the stew doesn't taste right. Same thing goes for us as human beings. And so that was the answer to the second question. I'm not sure what the first question was. So maybe I answered it in both of those questions. Yeah, I, I think you answered kind of both of my questions. I don't know if maybe Bill had a follow-up question because my video is a little bit uh, slower, so I'm catching up. So uh, Bill, uh, did you have any yeah. follow-up or? Yeah, so, so so since you're going a lot into the into the mix between uh, the the physical part, the psychological part, the part with, with the entire environment, how does this consulting you do work? This coaching you do? Are you first observing for two weeks and then just third person in the background, or how how does the whole process look like when you step in and help? So there's multiple ways that I serve my clients um, in a one-on-one -on -one setting. Um, in a group setting, which I call masterminds. So I facilitate and run masterminds. And the third is I run retreats and sometimes large, um, large events, but they all have the same thing. And there's, um, there's multiple ways that you help people. And the first thing that, and the truth is, is you always give them what they want. Um, and then through the process, you actually give them what they need. So what do all men want? They want respect. They want power, they want money, and they want to be, they want the status of being known as a great leader. That's literally what we men crave. And so I give them that. We go into that. Is it, do they want to make more money? Do they want to be a better leader? Do they want to be more powerful? Do they want to be more self-confident? Or do they want to have a better relationship or a better network? So that's where we go. We take them exactly where they want to go. But 100% of all men need this. They need to master their mindsets. They need to be more self-confident. They need to love themselves more. They need to be better with their significant other. And they need to be better with themselves. And they need to be the same man out in public that they are behind closed doors. That's what every single man on earth needs. And so we always give them what they want. And we do it in a lot of formal ways, like helping them find their purpose. We've got formal formal programs that I take them through one-on-one -on -one or in a mastermind group retreat setting. We all want to be the conquerors of our time, right? None of us have any more 24 hours than anybody else, but some of us feel out of control or busy that, or that we're not in charge of our time. There's formal things that I help them with that. Everybody wants to be a better leader. Everybody wants to make more money. Well, I am classically trained in all things money. And I am the first to tell you that money is important. You cannot be happy or make impact without it. And so if people need to make more money, but I'm not going to make more people more money for morning's sake, I'm going to make them make more money, but also make more impact with that money. And so there's formal programs in all of those things we talked about, better network, intimate relationships. And the reason, let's take a step back. The reason my book 
legendary is a wall street journal and USA today bestseller. It's because we cover all of that. We make it fun. We make it easy and we give simple to do's at the end of each chapter, find purpose, conquer your time, master your mindset, build a financial mindset to financial confidence to ultimately financial freedom, build up your network, have more intimate relationship with your friends, family, significant others, help conquer, you know, that master that thing inside your head that says you're not good enough. Know that you have a power. How do you build a legacy and live significant and, and make this world better than you found it? And finally, and we go into the woo woo is unconditional love, respect and self-confidence for yourself. And we don't leave anything off the table because I think we need to talk about it all. And here's the thing about legendary. I certainly don't think I'm a legend. And what I like about the title legendary is it's given to us by our communities, our peers, our friends, and our family. And if the three men on this call called ourselves legendary, people laugh us out of the room. But if you leave impact, significance, a legacy, and you're working every day to be a little bit better than you are yesterday, and to balance and rebalance your life, and you be in control of your life and story, that, my friend, is legendary. And by the way, you can be a legendary failure, someone who sits there and plays video games and smokes pot and doesn't do anything for society or themselves. That's really a shitty legendary. You, you are a legend, but you're a legend in all the wrong ways. Or you can, there's other really famous people that we could call bad legends. But in order to be legendary, you have to live with purpose. You have to be in control of your time. You take control of your financial house and all the other intangible skills we talked about. To me, that's why legendary came into existence. And that's the programs that I live and breed and coach on and speak on, by the way. Yeah. Um, that's really impressive. Well, when, when, when did you start writing the book? Was that uh, around the time? What was that right at the beginning when act three started and, and do you change your life or was that later on? Um, it was later on. And, you know, honestly, when I decided to leave, sell my equity in the firm and resign my board seat, I wanted a lifestyle business. I wanted to coach one-on-one -on -one for half a year and travel the world and do nothing for half of the year. Cause I had worked so hard for 21 years. I just wanted a lifestyle business. I didn't want to make any more money. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to help people make impact and then live a life. Here's the problem. Once I started working with these entrepreneurs or young men or executives or lawyers and bankers and accountants, I saw the transformation. It was happening in their money, their network, their relationships, their self-confidence, their mindsets. And I'm like, man, we are really onto something. And you got to remember, I practice what I preach. So I always have one or two coaches. I'm always in a, a mastermind and I'm always reading and attending conferences to be a master of my craft. Like that's how important this work is to me. And so when I saw how lives are being transformed and how relationships are being transformed and how money was being transformed for people, I'm like, we're, we're onto something here. And that's where this playbook started coming in. And that's where the book started coming in. And it took three years to actually write the book. Um, cause I'm a perfection. I like to say I'm a recovering perfectionist, but after three years and making it simple, making it understandable, making it fun and making it something that people can actually take action on. This is not just words and theory. We can actually go do this stuff and Hey, it's not really that hard. That's where the book came about. And that's, I knew at that point I wanted to scale and grow this movement and grow what I'm doing because it was having such an impact because I literally, all, all I want to do is travel the world for a year and coach these executives for half a year. But now I want this information. I don't care what, what color race, if you're at the lowest at low in life, you hate yourself or you're at the top of the pyramid. I want this message out to the world because no matter where you stand on the ladder of life, we all need this information. And so that's why that's how the book came about. Yeah. Um, so basically it does, let me just, uh, kind of recuper. Um, so at the point, um, uh, kind of when you were writing the book, um, you were kind of talking about different, um, messages that the book gives and then pointers uh, at the end of each chapter. Um, so does the book go in detail? You're, you're saying have better relationships, um, focus on love, focus on, on yourself, uh, 
think think about things more, uh, make a balance, and so and so on and so on. Does the book go into detail and kind of give pointers to, that people can personalize? A hundred percent. And I think that's why it's had such commercial success. Mm-hmm. Is it's not just words and theory. Is a I give simple stories of people I find legendary, and it's not all these famous people that everybody idolizes. It's people like you and I who are out there living legendary lives. And so, you know, we start with taking action and then we move into purpose and then we move into financial confidence, mindset, and freedom. And then we move into time and then we move into network. And we just, it's a progression of helping us all build and live legendary lives of impact, meaning and significance. And it covers every single thing we've talked about on this phone. And it tells easy stories. It gives you tools and tips. And at the end of each chapter, so that you can go back to very easily, is you can, let's say, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with my mindset. I can't get this noise in my head to stop talking to me and telling me I'm not good enough. Or I'd rather have a better relationship with my friends, my significant other. Or, you know what? My financial house is not in order. Or, you know, I look out in the sky and I don't know my purpose or why I'm here. No matter where you're struggling in life, once you read through the book once, you know exactly where to go back and work these very simple, executable, actionable skills, tools, so that you can build, you can personalize it and make it your own. Um, here's the thing, though, and I believe this at the bottom of my heart. The reason the top percent or the top 10 percent is they take action. They take action, they take action, and they don't give up. And then the 5 percent take continued action continued action and continued action and continued action and the 1% take action, take continued action, but they believe. And if you don't believe you're worthy of money, you don't believe you're good enough. You don't believe you're valuable and you don't believe that you can really have everything. If you truly don't believe it, it will not happen. And so you've got to unwire that and rewire it so that your heart, your mind, your soul, and your actions are in line to build the life of your dreams. That, my friends, is the truth. Um, one thing you said uh, about believing, do you have maybe, um, do you have a lot of people that come with an imposter syndrome? Um, Everybody. Yeah. Everybody has it to some degree. Yeah, so it's, I, I can imagine there are a lot of successful people that are either growing to the retreats or... Um, or like reading the book or so on. And then I've, I've, I've listened myself to a lot of people talking about their imposter syndromes. And it's really, it's not funny, but it's, it's weird to see people who reach a, a pinnacles of success and at the same point have the same kind of struggle that everybody else has and doubts themselves after, I don't know, becoming a president. So I don't know, whatever. I mean, even to this day, I not only work with coaches, I not only work with mentors, I pay to be in masterminds. I go to conferences. I read everything I can get my hands on. Even to this day, I still struggle with envy. I still struggle with, uh, am I good enough? Um, even to this day, I mean, this journey never ends. And it doesn't matter if you're the president of the world, um, the president of the United States, CEO of a company, somebody just starting out in their career, somebody getting right into school. Anytime you level up your life, there's going to be a level of, oh my God, can I do this? And oh my God, what if they figure out I really don't know what I'm doing? And as long as we're honest with that, one of the enemies, especially of us men, is we think we have to do it alone and we can't ask for help. And isolation is the enemy of excellence. But if you will own that, people respect authenticity, they respect vulnerability, and they respect asking for help no matter what position you're in. And one of the most famous and powerful things that you can say as whatever career you're in is, I don't know. Um, and I think what there's two differentiators that I have. One is that I've got a big time financial consulting and background. And so it's very different in the coaching world. Most coaches are in the mindset relationship and you know, self-development space, but I actually have built, sold and run companies my entire career. That's one of my differentiators. And it's not the one I talk about the most. My other one, is that I'm walking this walk with you. I make no bones about it. I'm not a psychologist, a guru on the stage, and this is not what it looks like to have it all figured out. But what I will promise you is I will continue working this with you side by side, walking next to you. 
I will talk about my failures. I will talk about my tragedies. I will talk about my triumphs and I'll talk about what I'm working on right now. And I think people love that more than the, Hey, let me show you the picture of me getting out of my jet. Let me bounce up and down and tell you, this is what it's like to have it all. That's all BS because I know these people. And so they struggle just like the rest of us, you know, nobody's perfect. You know, they claim a couple of people were perfect and they built billion people religions around them. Uh, maybe that's true. Maybe that's not except for you to decide on what you believe in. But the rest of us humans are perfectly imperfect and we all have our insecurities, our demons, our wounds, and the not good enoughs. We just got to work on them every single day so that we can be the best version of ourselves every single day. And I think those are my two differentiators, but yes, we all have the imposter syndrome, including yours truly. So I guess, um, Bill, do you have I a, just a, own a, it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I own it. And so, so I work with guys just coming up in their careers and I've literally got seven guys in my stable that are worth over nine digits. And you know what they all have in common? They all struggle with unconditional love. They all struggle with self-confidence. They all struggle with self-respect. They all struggle with the imposter syndrome and they all struggle with that voice inside of their heads. Every single one of them. And so enough is enough. Let's have real conversations about it. Let's connect, let's get real and let's work on fixing it right together. Mm -hmm. And so that's just something we all need to understand. And when you, and when you stay, say uh, you're stable, is that where you do the retreats or, or and just with that was a figurative that, word, by the way, <laughs> stable is stable is my entire client base. Okay. Whether it's my master, whether it's my mastermind guys, um, that's a great thing to call it though. The stable. Yeah. So true story. You're the first to know. Mm -hmm. um, you're literally the first to know. That's not Ex on my exclusive. Team. Vladimir <laughs> and Bill, we just put an offer into a entire retreat facility at the top of a mountain in North Georgia in the mountains in this pretty area. So, you know, we put the bid in, I don't know if we're going to get it. Um, there's a whole lot of steps that happen after that. Um, but we're really, really excited to have a place that we can call home because I run somewhere between six to 10 to 12 legendary life retreats every year. And then we run big retreats as well. Mm -hmm. and we want to call, we want something to be called a home base. But when I called my stable is I have one-on-one -on -one clients, mastermind clients, group clients, and then I have an online community. I call that the stable mm -hmm. and we all have all those things in common. Yeah. I just wanted to, I, I sounded interesting. So I asked the question, um, so I guess good question though. I thought it was yes, valid. <laughs> is is the idea is the idea of the retreat for people to kind of turn off, uh, uh, connect with other people, open up? Uh, is it is it, you said I think it's going to be in the mountains in the Georgia. Is it like kind of uh, nature surrounding and and kind of helping people to relax that are usually <laughs> inside of the of the mice race uh, day to day? It absolutely is designed for that, and so it's here's what it's designed for. And my, my wife works with women and I work with men. And the reason for these particular retreats that we don't combine men and women mm -hmm. is because we want to talk about all phases of our life, not just business leadership and money, but also the relationships with our families and significant others, the relationships with ourselves, our self-confidence, our mindset. And a lot of guys, if you start talking about real relationship issues or real other issues, they'll shut down if women are in the room. And so what I provide is a very safe environment for men to go deep and connect. Because what we crave as men is connection, real conversations, not the locker room conversations, but real conversations about, you know, how do we be better leaders? How do we be better men? How do we be better fathers? How do we make more money? And how do we do that with integrity? And so these retreats over a three-day period are designed to take people deep, to get them to reflect, to get them to look in the mirror, and to get them to take subsequent action, whether that's in one-on-one. -on -one. And the ultimate goal is for these 10 to 15 men in these smaller retreats is to come together in a mastermind to where these men become your board of directors. You trust them. You know everything about them. They'll make you better in business, money, life, relationships. And what's great about a mastermind is you get 10 to 15 minds becoming one mind all about helping you be better in all phases of your life. So that's what the foundational retreats are all about. And those will be when we, I don't want to say if we get this place, when we get this place, 
all of the foundational retreats will be held there. And what we do twice a year is we bring all the masterminds together offsite. And so all the men can connect with guest speakers, with content, with networking, with fun, uh, talk a lot, talk a lot about business and money at those. Um, and so it's a really, man, it's, I can't tell you what an honor it is to do this for a living because it's so fun to get people to connect, to get people to be real and to get people to move forward and take action and literally be the people they were born to be. Um, yeah. Uh, Bill, do you maybe have a follow-up? I just want to. No, I'm, I'm good so far. I did, I'm constantly struggling uh, not to start contemplating about what you, what you said and then mm -hmm. basically start <laughs> working on the things already. So no, I'm, I'm good so far. <laughs> This is a safe place for you, Bill. You can you can open up. Um, so so uh, to the whole okay. world. Yeah, exactly. Um, Be so, recorded. <laughs> so um, I guess uh, a question that I had from before. I just remember uh, when you were saying legendary, right? We we are all legends. We all live legendary lifestyles, and so on. Is is legendary something that you're always trying to achieve? But like, but is that something that you're always striving for? But kind of never really gonna get there and is that is that more of a feeling or a status or how would you define that word what you actually mean I think, by it's a, I think it's a feeling first of all and you have to define what success and being legendary means to you um, but I do think if you live a life of purpose that you build toward financial confidence and freedom so that you can leave a legacy that you are the master of your time that you have loving, caring, deep relationships with the people that are important to you, that you're wanting to make impact in this world and that you do everything in your power to love yourself, respect yourself, and to ultimately quit beating yourself up. That feeling that you will get is legendary, but to truly be legendary, someone else has to give you that title. And it could be one person, you don't have to be rich and famous to be legendary. But if you truly make one human being or one community or one business or whatever better than it was that has lasting impact, I call it planting seeds. You might never see the orchard, but if you plant the seeds in someone else's life, a community people, that's where being legendary. So legendary is a feeling that you have, you know, Hey, I'm doing something that matters and of significance and that it's truly important. And by the way, I'm doing that without hating myself and getting in my own way, which we all do. And the second piece is legendary has to be given to us by others. And that's why I called it legendary is, is I can't go, I can't, if I started putting on social media, Tommy Breedlove is a legend. Everybody in the world would laugh me out of the room. But if I touch Bill's life so much, he says that dude's legendary because he did X, Y, and Z for me. And now I've paid that forward and I'm doing X, Y, Z for others. That my friends is legendary. So it's given to us by other people. And right? uh, what actually leads me to a question. We have talked a lot about this interconnection between happiness and purpose and meaning. Would you say you should strive towards meaning to gain happiness or strive towards happiness to gain meaning or what is first? What is the chicken? What is the egg in this problem? Just just not to start the whole new psychological, philosophical <clears throat> podcast episode. Yeah, I think it's, I think purpose leads to fulfillment and significance. Happiness is a choice. Um, it's a choice in the actions you take. You can choose to see the good in the world or the bad. Mm. You can see, choose to see the love, light, and learnings and everything, everyone in every situation, or you can choose to see the darkness. You can, you know, it's really a happiness is an action, a mindset, who you surround yourself with and the choices that you make. Do you see the world as a dark place? Do you see the world as people being against each other? Or do you see the love, light, goodness, and learnings all around you? So happiness is a choice. Purpose is more about meaning, significance, fulfillment, something bigger than you. Because you can be selfish and be happy. I mean, um, but I don't, I don't believe happiness totally goes to fulfillment without serving something a little bit bigger than yourself. So that's, that's the difference to me. Yeah. I think I think in the, today's world we're kind of served uh, as the happiness is to be the main goal, um, 
Well, I, I, I'm, to be honest, I'm not really sure that, that happiness should be the main goal. I, 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 from my perspective, I look at kind of fulfillment and purpose as something of a long term. If you know yourself and kind of know your value, you will be happy and unhappy throughout your life because things will happen. Like, you know, like if, if, yeah. if there's a death in the family, you're not going to be happy, of course. But right. like you're going to go through that period of, of your life and, and continue your life further and achieve probably happiness in another time if you kind of know who you are and and, and know your own currency um but um what i wanted That's to well ask said, one, by the way thank you thank you so much <laughs> um so i want i want to ask one 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 question about the retreat is there is there gonna is there a preset name for the retreat um yeah it's and called the, the legendary life foundational retreat oh nice um and another aspect that I want to ask you, do you, so at least from my perspective, sometimes, you know, like we all been working, at, stayed late at work, uh, felt, you know, stressed and so on. And then people, even, yeah, all of us kind of go, you can either go to a bar and then go hang out with your friends. You can get drinking. And then you can also go into, into that kind of side of, of like doing drugs and drinking all the time. And, and I feel like, or, uh, let me to go back. Uh, people, uh, there are also people that go for a run. There are also people that go for a swim, or or, or go do some physical activities. And I feel that that what you're doing in both of those actions is that you're kind of relieving the stress of the of the first action, which is staying at work too late. So the question would be: Do you incorporate in your retreats or in general? Do you incorporate physical activity? Do you? Do you feel like physical activity can not only help people physically, but also mentally, you know, like I feel much 100%. better. If, yeah. Uh, you have to protect and defend your physical fort. And if you look at everything in life, the things that give you short term satisfaction, um, chocolate, drugs, alcohol, and look, there's, I love craft beer and a good wine. I'm not gonna lie to you, but that can't, you know, that's a short term happiness. And to me, those things represent community, connection, friendship, and I love breaking bread and having dinner with people. So I love that part of it. But those, those done in bulk and without boundaries and limits will lead to long-term consequences, right? Mm -hmm. Anything that gives you short-term happiness always leads to long-term consequences. That swimming and running and working on your mental health, your financial health, learning, growing, connecting, those are all tougher things to do, but have extreme long-term benefits. And so that's the difference between the two. Um, and life is a balance though. I don't want to be the guy, like I've got some clients and friends that spend five hours training for Ironman races. And that to me is just, that's not balanced unless that's your like job. And that's really what your passion is. But I don't know. It just seems it's, it's kind of like the monk, that meditates for 12 hours a day. Well, who the hell are you serving doing that, man? Hmm. Um, and so I have, I'm think I, I'm a big believer in balancing and rebalance um, and having fun and having guilty pleasures without overindulging so that you can kind of live a full life, you know? And so all this long, like learning, reading, attending retreats, hiring a coach, working out at the gym, doing the exercises in the book legendary, those are all have long-term real big benefits as opposed to let's, you know, it's okay to go out and eat four donuts once. If you eat four donuts seven days a week, that's going to have some pretty big consequences. So that's the difference for me. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I think, I think this also Kind of, there are a lot of people, even when you look at just physical activity, if you isolate it, there are so many people going on these different diets and like following a diet for seven, seven days, one month, two months, and they achieve some kind of result, but you never kind of go for an actual change in lifestyle. And then there's no long-term solution to your problem. Um, um, That's continued action. And you said it best, changing your lifestyle, your choices, and ultimately your habits. Right. So that it's your habits have to become your lifestyle. Right. So, um, well, I believe that we did almost a, one legendary hour, I would say. Uh, <laughs> Indeed. And we well, never talked about financial independence, but I, I have a feeling like you guys kick ass on that all the time. <laughs> yeah, uh, actually, actually, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, we went, we dealt 
deep into your story and into kind of all the, I guess the basis before we can mention the financial independence, would you say that this is the basis to kind of first establish your own personal happiness and self-worth and all these um, pointers and then kind of go into financial, financial independence and focus to this or how would that work? Well, I think the whole time um, you don't want to leave um, building just like your life, your heart, your physical fortress, your relationships within your financial health, you've got to continually build the foundation to your house. You know, the learnings, understanding basic finance, accounting, budgeting, cash flow, credit card management, truly understanding the blocking and tackling of all things finance, economies, stocks, trading, investing, savings. You've got to continuously be learning that. But the second piece of that is what you don't want to do is become financially confident and independent and be miserable and have a wife that hates you and you're unhappy in life. So it is one big stew, but you can't leave the financial house in order because you can't make true impact or experience life or ultimately be happy if you're broke, poor, and struggling. And so I think the financial part of it is extremely important. Um, But you also have to build that financial mindset that you are worthy of money, that you can have money, that there's enough money in the world for all of us because there truly is. Because no matter, even if you build the foundation and you don't believe there's enough money for you, you'll never really truly make the money you want to. But to me, you have to surround, you also have to surround yourself with people who are going the same direction regarding money that you are. Um, You have to follow examples of people who've made a lot of money. You have to always invest in your knowledge. You have to always invest in your, um, your mindset. And it's all one big stew, but you don't want to do the money without the other and you don't want to do the other without the money. And so I'll just leave it with that. And I think that wraps it up for the financial independence because something tells me you guys spend a lot of time in that world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually we do. So uh, yeah, all day, every day in finance. So it's, it's nice to talk about also personal stuff, but again, it all, it all connects. It's not separate. It's your physical totally. is not separate from the mental. Your mental is not separate from you not having the money to eat, you know, like the Maslow hierarchy and so on. Um, so I guess, um, kind of to conclude, um, our, our audience is mostly between 25 and 35 year, years, year, years old. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm a foreigner. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, uh, speak better you... English than I do. I'm from the South side of Atlanta, <laughs> much better English than I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess what would you, what would be maybe your, your message or conclusion or what would you say to young professionals, both male, male and female coming out of college or uh, just starting their careers, because this is kind of the majority, the bulk of our, um, of our uh, audience. You got to participate in your own rescue. And what I mean by that is I was told that um, I used to do a lot of extreme water sports. And what they mean by that is, you know, if you follow up, fall out of the boat in a class five rapid, which is river speak for very dangerous, that if you don't participate in your own rescue, if you don't turn over, put your feet up, your head out of the water, look for the rope. And if you can't find the rope, swim to safety. Otherwise there's a high probability of you will die was the best analogy I ever heard for life. And there is no magic pill. There is no quick fix. Social media is complete nonsense. It's meant to divide you and make you envious. So 25 to 30 for years, they are literally preying on you with social media you are the product. There's only two things called users, drug addicts and social media folks. <laughs> so you must participate in your own rescue. You must, there, no one's coming to save you. There's no magic pill and there's no quick fix in life. Double down, read everything you can get your hands on in business and self-development. Participate in your own rescue. Take action, invest in your physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional health. Because if you don't, no one else will. If you're unhappy, you're unfulfilled, or not successful, or you don't have the relationship of your dreams, I want you to go find the nearest mirror. I want you to look in it. That's the problem. It's not anybody else's fault. That's the problem. What you see in the mirror, and here's the final thing. It's also the solution. So participate in your own rescue. Know that if I can do it, anyone can do it. And choose, make the choice to be a little bit better each and every day. And I'll use some financial words. If you invest in yourself, it'll be the best best investment you ever make. And it pays 
unbelievably good dividends and compound interest. So I'll leave it at that. Well, that's well said. And thank you so much again for coming on today. I guess the final thing would be, uh, where can people find you? Um, I know that you, you, you we, as you mentioned, we had a book. I know you have a website. So maybe um, if we can let them know. Yeah, totally. Uh, Legendary is, it's in all formats, audible, audio, every electronic format, hardback, softback. It's in your favorite bookstore, online, wherever you want to go get it, go get it. Yeah, Amazon. Um, yeah. Yep. It's everywhere. If you want to um, <laughs> try not to say that one because the other one gets mad. The other ones get mad because, you know, that's <laughs> the monster in the room. I, I will tell it. you this. I said <laughs> it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Vladimir said it, not me. Um, it doesn't matter. Um, we all know who the monster in the room is. Yeah. <laughs> However, if you want to get a flavor of it, and because as we're recording this, mm-hmm. we're in a time of pandemic, we're in a time of COVID, we're in a time of uncertainty and worry, both, you know, are we safe? And we're also worried about money. So as a giveaway, we're giving away the introduction, the financial confidence and freedom chapters, as well as the mastering your mindset chapters. We're literally giving those away. So if you go to tommybreedlove.com, forward slash gifts. We'll just give you those chapters. And if you like what you read and you think it's simple and fun and that, Hey, I got something out of this, go check out the whole book. Um, otherwise check me out on, since I know the age of your audience, check me out at Instagram at Tommy breed love and check me out for you financial folks on LinkedIn at Tommy breed love. And uh, we'll just say those two. So tommybreedlove.com forward slash gifts. We'll give you away those chapters. Um, we're always putting out life hacks, financial hacks, goodness, light. We never put any kind of political craziness. Like if you're looking for something nice in your feed at Tommy Breedlove on Instagram or Tommy Breedlove on uh, LinkedIn, we're always putting some good inspiration out there. Yeah, I'll definitely make sure to do that. And again, thank you so much for coming on today. It was a pleasure talking to you and I hope it's uh, one in many. Yeah, I'd love thank that. Thank you. Thank you Bill, also for Vladimir, my Vladimir, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, the Financial Independence Tribe, nothing but love and light to you. And uh, remember, if I can do this, anybody can do it. Thank you, guys.